God bless you. You may be seated. There's nothing in this world that can compare to being in the will of God. And there's nothing worse in this world than being out of the will of God. In the will of God, your worst day is filled with peace, joy, and knowledge that your Father is in control. Out of the will of God, your best day cannot have peace. There is no assurance that God is participating in your day. And so I'm thankful to be here in the will of God. It's good to have some precious folks from Antioch here tonight. Brother and Sister Stewart visiting there. Granddaughter and great grandbabies. Hallelujah. So we heard they were going to be here in the area when we were. We're happy to see them. Feels like home. Praise God. I want to give you a testimony. Remember last night when I asked the three folks to come and pray for that couple, that family? I talked to them today. And in the midst of our of my counseling with them, I said, We prayed for you last night. And they said, About what time was that? I said, Oh, it was about quarter after eight or so here. And they began to weep. Because they had been going through a very difficult time. And all of a sudden, right about that time, that spirit of accusation and oppression, that was this is their words, that was, that was warring against their minds and their, their hope and their faith, just left. And they said to me, we slept last night for the first time in a week. Now, if you were that couple, you would appreciate me not hinting who they are and giving any information. And so I will treat them like you would want to be treated. And that's all I'm saying. But the bottom line is this. We have never, ever remotely approached the limitations on prayer. When Ephesians 3 and 20 says, 
Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That is specifically talking about prayer. All that we ask, or can I say it this way, or even think to ask, but don't have the faith to ask, because it seems too big. And he is able and willing to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now tonight's going to be a little bit different. I have a word. I don't have a sermon. Because I know the message. I don't know the points of the message. (laughs) I know what he wants to say to you. I don't know how he's going to choose to deliver that message. Of course, I almost never know, so that's not anything new. I will say this to you. I am about to speak on a subject I have never spoken on in my life. In all 49 plus years of ministry experience, I've never even seen this till today. I I first noticed these in just reading the other day, but the Lord brought them to me and said, here's how that fits together, and this is what I want to say here. And so what you're going to, what I'm going to ask you to do is to be patient with me and pay close attention while I lay the foundation for the message. The foundation is not the message but it's that which is going to give significance to the message. If you have a Bible and you'd like to read with me, I'm going to read one verse uh, as what you would call a text. So if it's your custom to stand, I'll let you stand for that. Hallelujah. I, I really have never understood why we stand for the first scriptures that read and don't stand every time the scriptures are read. I I don't quite understand that, but I don't have any problem with you standing unless you're just going through the motions of it. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. You may be seated. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now that isn't the case for the Laodiceans. 
because in the little bit of checking I've done, the first letter to Timothy was written by Paul from Laodicea. According to the little note in this version of the King James Bible I have, that it's at the very end of 1 Timothy, it states that 1 Timothy was written from Laodicea. So Paul was praying for those that hadn't seen his face, but that's not the case with the Colossians and those at Laodicea. He administered to them personally. And uh, I need to tie something else in here if you don't mind. And that is if you study the primary points of the book of Colossians and compare it to especially the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, you'll find that Paul covers much of the same ground. And while he may express it a little bit different uh, a little bit differently between the two his points and principles are all very 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 similar between Colossians and especially Colossians 1 and 2 and Ephesians 1 2 and 3 and I say that because while he's addressing the Colossians Apparently, Paul held a similar affections for the affection for the Ephesians. He wrote some things to the church at Ephesus that whew, the the book of Ephesus or the church the, the the epistle to the church at Ephesus might be that might have some of the very deepest things that you could possibly read in all of the New Testament. And, and he had great affection for them. And, uh, and here he's talking to the church at Coloss, uh, and he says, I, I would, I, I wish you knew. I, I, I would like for you to know what great conflict, what a great battle I'm fighting. For you and for them at Laodicea. Now, from the little bit of checking I've done, the uh, city of Colossus in the same general area, Asia, what's called Asia Minor, as both uh, Antioch and Ephesus and Laodicea and the other churches that were a part of the seven church group that was addressed in Revelations. Two and three. Apparently that was a very fertile area for the gospel. In fact, Paul says that there was a period of time that all of Asia heard the word in two years. But when you study what he means there, he's not talking about China, Indochina, uh, Japan, Asia. Asia actually begins just east of the Middle East. It is, it begins at the 
extreme eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. You have three continents essentially coming together in that general area. And so you have Asia Minor as compared to the rest of Asia. I guess that would be Asia Major, right? But that Asia Minor area saw mighty, mighty revival. Mighty revival. Mighty revival and harvest. In fact, there was a period of time again where Paul states that all of Asia heard the word in two years. Many, many churches were started. Many people were saved. Many. In fact, from my own personal study, that area probably experienced in that short amount of time the greatest single area-wide revival and harvest of any place in all of the known world, which is a buzzword for the Roman Empire. And they didn't count anything outside the Roman Empire as the known world. In fact, I have read that uh, by some estimates, there were approximately 250 million people in the uh, Roman Empire and at least 10% of them became Christians. And since there was only one brand of Christianity in the first century, they all essentially had the same doctrine and we would all claim fellowship with them, believing the same faith. 10%, 25 million. That is an amazing, amazing result. Uh, that really is awesome. I'm going somewhere. Hang on here. Okay. But Paul is writing to people that experience that. And he said, I, I'm a, I, I really wish you knew what great conflict I have for you. And for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. I wish you knew the battle I'm fighting for you. I, I know what you experience now. I, I, I know what God has done. I know what you've seen happen. But it's not right now that I'm fighting for. It's uh, where are you going from here? Where are you going from here? Now, if you go to chapter 4, Laodicea is mentioned several times in chapter 4. And I'll read real quickly through that just so you can see that for yourself. And uh, I love these names and I can't pronounce them. And so you'll just have to be patient with me over that. I think for time's sake, I'm just going to start with... Ephesians, uh, Colossians 4, uh, 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. 
that ye may stand perfect and complete in all of the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea. And then them in Heriopolis. Luke the beloved physician and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea. And Nymphus and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle. Listen to this carefully now. And when this epistle. The epistle to the Colossians. Is read among you. Cause that it be read also. In the church of the Laodiceans. And that ye might likewise read the epistle. From Laodicea. What epistle? From Laodicea. I've never read an epistle from Laodicea. Have you? The same Paul that wrote a letter to the Ephesians, the Romans, first to the church of Corinth, two letters. To those at Philippi, Colossus. The Thessalonians, two letters, wrote a letter to the Laodiceans. And it was the same type of letter as this because he said, now I'm sending you a letter, Colossus, but I want you to have the Laodiceans read your letter. And I'm re- I wrote a letter to the Laodiceans and I want you to read the Laodiceans' letter. Because by this point in time in Paul's ministry, It was recognized that the things that God was giving Paul were divinely inspired. Peter even acknowledged it. Peter equated Paul's writings to the other scriptures. That's exactly the terminology Peter used. The other scriptures. But the problem is this. We don't have a copy of the letter to the Laodiceans. Paul said he wrote one, but we don't have one. It's not included in any Bible I've ever heard read. Now, I specifically mentioned three work, three churches, Ephesus, Coloss, and Laodicea, all of whom had Paul personally involved with them. I don't know what he wrote to the Laodiceans, but the letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians, while not being exactly the same, were very similar. And, and, and I think it's, reasonable to assume that the letter to the Laodiceans, while it would have been specifically to them, would have had some similarity to the other two since he was involved with these. And yet I read to you where he said, I really wish you knew this great conflict I'm experiencing for you. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm battling for you right now. I, I, I feel things in my spirit that are coming. And, and, I, and, and, and I'm thankful for all you've experienced and all God's done. And, and all that you know and all you've seen. I'm thankful for all of that. 
But I'm really concerned about your future. Really concerned about the future. I mean, you would think if the Apostle Paul was praying for you, it's a done deal. Now, of those three, and all of them, the, all three of those among others were all cities and therefore churches in Asia Minor that had experienced such amazing revival and harvest. All three of them. But two of them were included. Not the third one. Two of them were included in the Holy Ghost speaking to John approximately 20 years or so after Paul died. And both of those churches were on the rebuke list. There was one of the seven churches that didn't receive any rebuke. Another one that, that mostly was, was very little negative said about it. There were others that was kind of half and half. But the first and the seventh, Ephesus and Laodicea, number one, number seven. Who? The only other one that came close to such a rebuke was Sardis. And he said, concerning Sardis, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. He called it the church. <laughs> Did you get that? Just because somebody's called the church doesn't mean Christ approves of you. He never said you couldn't call yourself the church. He did say judge nothing before the time. He called a group of people the church that he said, you got a name, you're alive, but you're dead. You go through the motions of your pre-programmed services. You put in your time. You give the lip service. You, but you don't have any life. You're dead. And you would think that's about the worst thing that could be said about a church. But I submit to you that I don't know any place where Paul had any kind of direct involvement with Sardis. He may have, but I can't find it listed. Maybe I haven't looked hard enough, but I can't find it. But it's strange to me that two of the churches that received some of the strongest rebuke were two churches that Paul was very involved with in the spirit. And <laughs> I tell you what's amazing. What's really amazing is when you read what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. He prayed for the church at Ephesus. In chapter 3 of, Ephesus, of, the, of the, the epistle to the Ephesians, 
He prayed, and the prayer he prayed was amazing. He said, I pray that by the riches of his grace, you'd be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you might be rooted and grounded in love. And that you may be able to apprehend or comprehend or receive the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. And that you might know the love of God. Which passeth knowledge. And that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul prayed that specific prayer for the Ephesians. But when John wrote to them under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said, you got the doctrine down, but I got a problem with you. The Lord said, you left your first love. The Apostle Paul prayed for them to have an experiential knowledge of the love of God which passeth all intellectual knowledge. He prayed that they'd be rooted and grounded in love. But then the Spirit rebuked the Ephesians in the very first of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and said, Boy, you, you got the doctrine down all right. And you don't suffer false apostles among you. But I got, nevertheless, I got somewhat against you. You've left your first love. And while you may have the doctrine down pat, if you don't repent of leaving your first love, I'm going to pluck your candlestick out of its place. Meaning I'm rejecting the whole bunch of you. It's only supposition what that missing book of the epistle to the Laodiceans had in it. But again, again, if the book to the Colossians was similar to the book to the Ephesians, then we have some right to conclude there was some similarities and parallels with the book or the epistle to the Laodiceans. And oh God. What the Holy Ghost said to correct them. Is chilling. You're rich. Need crease with goods. Have need of nothing. And you don't, you don't even know. That you're wretched and miserable and poor blind and naked I stand at the door and knock so that I can be allowed in the fellowship with you and you don't even know I'm missing and you don't even knock on the door you've learned how to have church without me you've learned how to sing without me you've learned how to plan without me you've learned how to perform without me you've learned how to preach without me because you're on the inside doing your deal and I'm not even in your midst and you don't know it and I'm knocking and you don't even hear my knock and Paul prayed for them Paul prayed for them 
And he, had sa- he said to the Colossians, for you and those at Laodicea, I'm in this conflict for you. Because while you're doing well now, I'm concerned about where you're going. I've read it. I don't know if there's any way it can be ever proven one way or the other. But I've read that Ephesus was one of the single largest churches in a, an immediate great geographical region in the world. I've read there were over 100,000 believers in Ephesus alone. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's true. I don't know anybody that can prove or disprove that. But we do know from history that the church at Ephesus was pretty large. My mother was attending United Pentecostal Church when I was born. I've had the privilege in 49 years of ministry to preach on every continent. And I will say to you, to my deep sorrow, that I've preached a lot of places that's got the, got the doctrine down like the Ephesians. They got the doctrine down. You ain't shaking them from the doctrine. But they don't know Jesus. And they don't love Jesus. They're in love with church. They're in love with doctrine. But they're not in love with Jesus. And then there's the flip side of that. That's the first. And there's the Laodiceans. I don't even know how you call what they do church. But they're so full of themselves because they're so empty of Jesus. And Paul battled for them and lost the battle. Colossus not in that list of seven churches. It's in that area. It would really seem as though the church in Coloss, the prayers worked for them. There's no rebuke. There's no chastisement from the Holy Ghost. There's no plea for repentance from the Holy Ghost. Even though Coloss was in the same general area as the other, as the full seven churches that were rebuked. So his prayers worked for them. But not only did his prayers not work for the Laodiceans, the Lord, the Father, just allowed his communication with them to cease to exist. Just cease to be. I am so humbled 
by the fact that this church so given yourselves to spiritual warfare and I'm humbled by any small part that I played in that I can't take the credit for that your own hunger and God's own desire has met together and this is what's happening here I did not come to this place to preach this message tonight I had hoped that the Holy Ghost would simply take last night and build on that because it was so positive and it was so inspiring and the Holy Ghost so manifested himself here. But dear ones, dear ones, dear ones, wow. I, I don't mean this negatively. I mean it very positively. But after last night, I, I get to preach to all Antioch in an Antioch United two Sunday nights from now. And when I do, they're going to hear about the sanctuary of Houston and about those that have taken the spirit we fellowship with and gone beyond where we are right now. Because we've kind of, we've, we, 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 we're in a transition. Some of you know about it. Some of you don't. We've divided up into three congregations now because it, it I don't believe in mega church. I don't believe. I don't believe that's biblical. I believe you're supposed to take the gospel to where the people are, not expect them to drive to where you are. And it's and and and, and we knew it would be kind of difficult transition for a while. It's been a lot of positive things, but it's been a little difficult too. And and in trying to try to make the transition and the adjustments that are necessary with that transition and understanding how this is supposed to work, what God's plan was really in this and, and how to do this and all that, we've kind of lost, uh, we've lost a little spiritual momentum. It's not irreparable by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, they just need some reminder what the absolute first and foremost focus is. My house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And if you follow my Facebook page, which is just electronic pulpit that means I got the mic and you don't that's what that means right God speaks I write it and we go from there right so if you've been following that you know these last this last week or so I, I just about can't pray without the Lord bearing down in my spirit about how grieved he is over the way we do church. Church. Where praise rules and reigns in most churches. And there's very little, if any, prayer. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And my concern is that the Jesus that showed up to cleanse the temple because it was no longer a house of prayer is going to show up in some of our churches and start cleaning house. Well, that's, that's not nice, Brother Wright. 
Oh, really? So you want him to just leave us alone and let us in our sleepy complacency go to hell? No. I did something today I've almost never do. Somebody wrote me a direct post and said how they were a little concerned about how it seems like I don't hardly ever say anything positive and and uh, whatever. And uh, I chose to take it positively. I chose to take it that they were concerned. And as I prayed for them, the Lord gave me a response and I posted that response. And it wasn't for the purpose of getting people to say, oh, Brother Wright, you're doing really good. No. No. Because I'm telling you the secret. Because I direct messaged this guy and I thanked him. Because I had been feeling in my spirit that people were not receiving my posts in the spirit in which they were being written. And I thanked him for giving me an open door that I could explain where I was and what my motive and attitude was. And... I wrote it, and when I left the room, there were like 50 comments there, and only a couple of them were even remotely neutral. The rest were, oh, we need this, we need this. That wasn't what I was looking for, because I'm writing this stuff whether you want it or not. If you don't like it, it's simply called unfriend me. If, I'm, if you've leaving me as one of your friends, you have invited me to post. And it's going to come up on your page. And if you don't want to read it, delete it, block it. I don't care. It's not my stuff. But the problem I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get to is this. There is an urgency in the spirit over that which is called the church. That we're so satisfied just putting in our time in church and got it all organized down and all professional and all, oh, it's such a performance and, and you know, and, and, and the preacher's all bound to this and, 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 oh, it may be scripted, it may be beautiful, he may have his hand actions and everything just so in his dramatic emphasis when he's reading his script. Can you imagine Jesus preaching, reading from a pre-typed out word-for-word -word message? Can you imagine Paul doing that? Can you imagine Peter doing that? Oh, but here's what it is. But they were so primitive. And we're so advanced. Yeah, we're so advanced and the amount of flesh we've given ourselves over to. And they were primitive because primitive means you go right back to the basics. Really simple basics. And the simple basis is this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's how primitive they were. And that's how primitive we're called to be. And ah, oh, I'm so, it has been such a blessing being here with you. It is so refreshing to feel this, 
this atmosphere that's saturated with prayer. Thank you for this. But oh, here, let me say something to you. Paul was saying, I, I, I'm struggling for you. Not because of today. What are you praying for us today for, Paul? I'm not praying for you today. I'm praying for you tomorrow, next week, down the road. Because you see, flesh gets tired of this pushing in the spirit all the time. Flesh gets tired of praying and weeping. Flesh gets tired. Everybody's flesh gets tired of it. It is a battle that we all face. And it's what you do in that battle that determines what the outcome is going to be. Am I going to let my flesh rule? Or am I going to continue to dig and push and reach? Am I going to hunger and thirst? Or am I going to be satisfied? Sometimes the adversary wants to remind us of how deep we went into that other stuff. Oh yeah. But guess what? All of that is him simply using what's already there. Trying to destroy but if I can go this deep in the other stuff, how far can I go in God if I just won't give in, if I just won't give up, if I keep pressing? But I don't want to be weird. Really? Isn't it amazing how we didn't care about being weird when we were going deep in other stuff? Isn't that amazing how we didn't care about how weird we weren't? So what does it matter what anybody thinks of how far you go in God? As long as you're submitted to authority, obedient to the word and the man of God, go, 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 reach, reach, reach. Don't let anybody's attitude here keep you from reaching. Reach, 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 reach. You know why we get tired? You know why it gets old to us? Because we keep it, keep it turned inward. That's the message to this church. There's seven and a half billion people in this world. You prayed for a family last night that was very easily on the verge of being destroyed. And God did a turn last night. All of my counseling was only kind of holding it together. I knew I couldn't do it. I kept telling God, I can't fix this. I can't fix this. But you prayed for people you don't even know. And God did something. All of this prayer you're doing, it can't be about the sanctuary. It can't be about you. It can't be about your house. It's got to be about the kingdom of God. It's got to be about the lost. It's got to be. You may have heard this story before. I've told it before. But Brother Jerry Staten is the bishop by the appointment of our district board of Washington, D.C. and everything inside the Maryland Beltway around the Washington, D.C. That's a part of our district. It's one of our sections. But he's not the presbyter. He's the bishop over that work. Do whatever you want to with that. 
And there's no place in this world where the people of God fight spirits more every moment of every day like those that live inside that beltway and try to do the work of God inside that beltway. And he told me a few months ago, he said, Brother Wright, I got a story to tell you. He said, I got a call from a little lady from California. She said, Brother Staten, you don't know who. <laughs> you don't know me. She says, I'm 93 years old and I'm in a nursing home. And I can't really get out of bed. She, she said, she said, my husband never got saved. My kids followed my husband. Nobody ever comes and visits me in this hospital bed. But I refuse to feel sorry for myself because God is letting me live and breathe. And all, every waking hour, I lay in this nursing home bed at 93 and I pray for people all over this world. And she said, Brother Staten, the Lord has put you and your family on my heart because I know the challenges that you face. And I just wanted you to know there's a little lady from California you'll probably never meet. But I pray, I call your name, your wife's name, your children's name, your grandchildren's children's name who are all involved in the ministry I call your names every day I bring you before the throne of God every day and I want you to know I'm praying for you and you can count on me oh God oh God you see here's the problem with Pentecostal tradition our prayer is almost always about us getting something we want. It's almost always need-based. And we can pray when we need something. And we're praying for something we want. But God, you have, you have sought Him. You've moved into things of the Spirit. You've moved into ministries of intercessory prayer and uh, warfare and travail. And now the Lord is saying, are you going to let me use you? Can I wake you up in the middle of the night and move on you to pray without even giving you a clue what you're praying for? Will you just be my conduit and let me pray through you for situations around the world that you may never know in this life what you are praying for? But can I count on you? Can I count on you? Can I depend on you? You see, the good folks who made this all about themselves, the Holy Ghost is all about them, and forgiveness is all about them, and salvation is all about them, and prayer is all about them, and church is all about them. The songs are all supposed to bless them. The message is always supposed to be to them and lift them up. It's all about them. I was raised up on a song. It's all in Him. But we've perverted that song. It's now it's all in us. And it's all about us. I would have not believed this last night, to be honest, that Peter spoken that to me. This to me. If he, if he would have said what I'm about to say last night in that atmosphere, 
I'd have been questioned whether or not it was really God I was listening to. But you hear me over the next few months' time. There's a a new line of division being drawn in this church between those who want everything God's got. No limits. Nothing held back. And those that are looking for just some place to go and feel good. Just somewhere to go and stay propped up spiritually. And I I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this. I don't want to say something that would appear as though it's going to hurt this church or, or, or this leadership team or whatever. I don't want to say this. But you're going to go and take your money with you. And within 30 days, God's going to replace the money you're taking out of here by double. Because you're not going to hold what God's doing here hostage with your finances. Take them and go. Maybe you can buy your way in someplace. Maybe you can buy your way in someplace that just wants to play church and go through the motions. I'm not trying to be unkind. I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not rebuking. I'm challenging. I'm, I'm pleading with you. I sat here before service. And the Lord began to deal with me about this. And I've never preached this in my life, ever. This, this whole thought, all of this stuff, I've never preached this in my entire life. And I sat there. And I'm going, okay, Lord, what, where are we going now? Boy, it's going to be really good tonight. The Lord, Lord. I said to my wife before service, I said, you know, I felt after the Spirit all day. I, I'm just not getting anything yet. I know it'll be there. I'm going to tell you what he did. He kept me totally blank so that I'd receive what he said and there wouldn't be any competition for this. Because, because flesh would do this the first night and do last night, this night, and leave everybody high. That's how flesh would do it. That's not what the Holy Ghost is doing. Paul prayed for Laodicea. Paul battled for Laodicea because he knew what was coming. And they ended up saying, the Spirit ended up saying through John, You think you've been blessed because you got so much goods. And you look at all your goods and you say, Look at the proof God loves us and is happy with us. We're rich and increased with goods, and we don't even we can't even think of anything we need. We can't even think of anything we need. We're so blessed. We have such an abundance. We can't even think of anything we need. Oh, you can't think of anything you need. And you're not even aware. 
that the only one you need is outside the house. He's not at your table. He's not fellowshipping with you. He's outside the house. He's knocking on the door trying to get into his own house. And they don't even know it. They don't even know how poor and destitute they are. You don't know that you're naked and poor. You don't know that. What kind of spiritual blindness is it that comes on people that God called the church and once they were? Paul prayed for them. He he wrote a letter to them. He preached among them and wrote the the, the epistle to first Timothy, the first epistle of Timothy from their city. What kind of blindness comes to people like that? That they don't even recognize Jesus is missing from their midst. What kind of blindness is that? They don't even know they're wretched and poor. And miserable and blind and naked because they've accepted their condition as the norm and because they have so much it lets them fill up their life with stuff instead of being filled with the fellowship of Jesus Some of the greatest revelations God has ever given to me in my life. He gave to me out of the writings of Paul to the church at Ephesus. I have, I have, I have rejoiced, do rejoice in those wonderful things that Paul wrote. To the Ephesians. And that that group of people. Who had such revelation. About God given to them. Could get to the place. That they fell in love with their. They made truth into a religion. They made fellowship together as a body. Into a religious thing called church. And stop loving Jesus. They loved his doctrine and didn't love him. How do you separate the word made flesh from the doctrine? How do you love truth and separate that from the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? How do you do that? How's that even possible in your mind that you can so devotedly love truth and you've left your first love for the person? How can you be in love with your church, which is the body of Christ, 
and not love the one who's the head of the body. How do you get there? I tell you how you get there. You spend this time going deep. You pray. You experience all these wonderful things. But then you get tired. And you tell yourself, I need a break. But you don't ever fully get back from the break. And then without knowing it, you just slowly turn back inward and begin to make it about yourself again. Make it about yourself again. This church prayed last year. Do you remember the night we prayed for God to pull the cover off their stuff? And he's been proving in the last few weeks he's not done pulling the cover off. He pulled the cover off attitudes, spirits, and now lifestyle. And people that have been so revered are being proven to be scumbags. And people who have sat on their high horse criticizing and judging have been proven to be some of the lowest of the low. Do you think that's an accident? We prayed. We prayed. Congressmen and senators who piously, self-righteously sit on their thrones that they were elected to and now have taken ownership of and believe it gives them the right to touch anybody they want to touch, treat anybody any way they want to treat, and they've never been held accountable. And then all of a sudden, hear me. Praying people will change this world. Praying people will be used of God to open closed doors. Praying people will be used of God to close doors that are open that need to be closed. Praying people will bind things that are loose that need to be bound. And loose things that are bound that need to be loosed. Praying people who aren't just in this for themselves and what they can get out of it. Praying people are going to impact the world. Praying people, not those that just give a little time to it, but who connect with Jesus in the morning and stay connected with him throughout the day, all day long, that will respond to his spirit any time and place. If it's for two minutes or two hours, that's irrelevant. Just as long as he wants them to respond, praying people will be used of God to impact this world and change this whole environment. And you have been offered the opportunity to be one of them and go into the depth of it that God is calling you to 
or you can get tired of it. Is church always going to be about coming and getting into all this prayer? Is that really what? I don't want to get back to where we know what's going to happen and how long we're going to be here. Because I got stuff to do and I don't want to do this every time I come to church. I'm not trying to be unkind. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind your spirit from being in this house and hindering this body from going where God is leading it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command that if you will not repent and bring that attitude and spirit under submission, that God, not us, not the preacher, but God will cut you out of this body and let you go someplace that lets you believe what you want to believe and do what you want to do because that's where you're headed anyway. I wish it wasn't the case. I'm not angry with you. I'm pleading with you for that not to be the case. I got an email from a man today. He was at call to war. I'd met him in, out west, almost at the state, out west a couple of years ago. And I, I remember meeting him, and I remember what I felt in my spirit, but I hadn't had any communication with him. He came to call the war, and he said, I don't have a covering. I don't have a covering. Would you pray about being my covering? I said, I'll pray. I haven't given him an answer yet. But he wrote me an email. He said, we're not a large church, but we, over the last three months we've had, or a couple of months, we've had somebody get baptized, get the Holy Ghost every Sunday. But every time this happens... Anger and offense rises up, and it's usually one person. And after they've done damage and run people off, they repent and pray through. What am I supposed to do? I got to be honest with you, I didn't want to answer him, but I wasn't given the option. And the answer was while you're trying to save one, you're letting many go to hell. Not just the ones she's offended and run off while they were babies. But all the ones that can't come because her attitude and spirit is binding this body. You give her an ultimatum and say, the next time you pull this stuff, you will not be welcome back here again. Oh, that's horrible, brother, right? Horrible? Do you know what Jesus said? If anyone offends this, any one of these little ones, it would be better for them that a millstone was, was tied around their necks and they were cast into the sea. If it was the mafia, we'd call it concrete shoes. But it wasn't the mafia. It was Jesus saying, if you're going to offend one of these little ones that I've died for and that I'm trying to save because your your own agenda and your own problems you won't let me help with, it would be better for you that a millstone would be tied around your neck and you'd be cast into the sea than for you to continue to offend these little ones. So, here's the message. I don't know you. Not pointing fingers at anybody. All I'm responding to 
is the direction of the Holy Ghost and what I feel in my spirit. And I, and this stuff is here. I recognized it last night, but what was going on was so powerful. It overrode you. But God's not letting it go like that tonight. And that, that spirit that's trying to hang on here, well, you don't know how long I've come to this church. So what? That buys you the right? Undermine everything going on here in the Holy Ghost? Really? So, <laughs> I, I'm just going to obey God. Sorry. If it's a problem, you'll just have to have a problem with it. We're going to bow our heads, and this altar's open. And if you know it's not right with you and all of this, and you're struggling with this, and you want to be able to stay here rather than being separated out of here, and you're willing to come and lay before the Lord or kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, I want, I want to be a part of this. I'm struggling. It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to give up to struggling. The altar's open for you to come and seek God. Oh, brother, right. You're asking me to embarrass myself. Really? You think that's going to be more embarrassing when you're missing and people go, where's so, where so-and-so? Oh, they just, they just don't want to be a part of this anymore. They found a reason to go someplace else. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please, in respect to those that are in the building. You, you want to find a place to pray, Father. I want to be a part of this. Anything in, that's in me that's hindering me from being a part of this, forgive me, Father. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this, Father. Anything that's in me that's hindering me from fully participating with you and flowing in your spirit, Father, help me. Help me. If you want to pray where you are, that's okay. I think it'd be better if you came. But if, if you just won't come, please pray for your sake. For your sake and your place in this body. Please pray. Please. Please ask the, the Lord not to, not to let whatever this is festering in you continue to work. So that you become more and more of an observer and less and less of a participant. Come on. I'm not Paul. He prayed for people. He prayed for people that the prayer didn't work. He prayed for people that prayer didn't work because prayer can't violate your will. I prayed for you. I'm not putting myself down. I'm just simply saying if Paul prayed and his prayer didn't work, I'm praying. And if my prayer doesn't work, I'm not beating me up over it. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I know that last night ended with victory and joy and shouting. And it was wonderful. But oh, beloved. Dear ones. Dear ones, please hear me. Please hear me. 
God is slowly but surely for those that will allow him beginning to open the door so you can peek into the future of what he's got planned for you for this church and it's awesome it's mighty it's amazing but he cannot do it through people that are having to be drug along there's people here that ought to be leading this spiritual charge that are bringing up the rear what's up with that what's up with that why is it there, why is it there's some people here that should be leading should be leading the spiritual effort should be at the forefront of this prayer and you're bringing up the rear why is that why is it that some of you are just having to be drug along while some that are fairly new here or new back here are just going 90 miles an hour with it? And then you look at them and watch them and in your heart you go, boy, they're weird. No, I'll tell you what's weird to be in this atmosphere. To be in this atmosphere and have your walls up. And tell God what he can't do and what you're not going to do. Do you have no more fear of God than that? That you're telling God what you're not going to do? Oh, I'm not telling God. I'm just telling this preacher and I'm telling you that I'm not going to do all that stuff. I'm very sorry because you got a problem. Okay? Because God speaks through this man. And God speaks through me. And it's not me that you're accountable to. And you, 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 it's not me you're hurting. It's yourself you're hurting. Because this is a word from God. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He Father, search my heart. What did David pray? Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Father, if there's anything in me that's preventing me from being able to give myself wholly to you and, and surrender myself wholly to what you're doing here and where you're taking this church, Father, purge me. Father, drive this out of me. Father, forgive me. Father, I want to be a part. I don't want to be a hindrance. And I don't want you to have to remove me just so you can fulfill your will. I don't want my will in conflict with your will, Father. I don't want my will in conflict with your will. I want to be surrendered to your will, Father. I want to be in harmony with your will, Father. He lo robo kusiki tie amanaha. In the name of Jesus. Come on. There's something breaking here right now. It's not a, it's not a, a big rushing feeling, but there's a liberty that's beginning to come. There's a flow that's beginning to happen here right now because there are people sincerely praying this. Come on. Come on. Something's happening right now. Come on. Come on. Don't hold back. Don't hold anything back. Here I am, Father. I belong to you. I don't belong to me. I want to be a part of you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of your plans. I want to be a part of your kingdom, Father. In the name of Jesus, without you, I can do nothing.
I give myself to you, Father, by your grace. Here I am, Father, take me. Here I am, Father, take me. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's stay focused. Come on, the adversary, if he can't keep you from praying, he just wants your mind wandering. Come on, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Don't let your mind wander. Gird up the loins of your mind. Let the Holy Ghost bring focus to your prayer. Come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I loose the spirit of grace to grant the gift of repentance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He bakotobosi rata bahaya. Eki e kalarata tahaya. Eki e kalarotobohorotobukosi. Eki e kularata tahaya. Yela rota rotobokorata tahaya. Eki e kolorotorotobokosha sahaya. In the name of Jesus.
Come on, come on. It's beginning to get back to where it was last night. There's a flow here. There's a flow here. Come on. Get in the flow. Let the Spirit of God flow through you. Let the Spirit of God pray through you. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister through you. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is the witness of the Holy Ghost for this prayer, for this desire. Woo! Ha! This is the witness of the Holy Ghost. The Lord is bearing witness that He has spoken to you and that the great majority of you have responded to the Word. And now He's responding to you as witness. In the name of Jesus. 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 Yela lo rote linie kahala ratahaya Itie In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Yalo borobokoti etahaya Halaratatahaya Because we're not in this alone Reach over and pray for somebody beside you or on both sides of you. Let's pray one for another. The Bible says for us to do that. The Bible says for us to pray one for another. We're a body. We're a body. We're in this together. Let's pray one for another. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray one for another. Ha <laughs> ha. Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ita atahaye la ratatabahaya. He ye tie kala ratahaya. What am I supposed to be praying for, brother? Right? You're not. You're supposed to be letting the Spirit pray through you. He knows what they need to have prayed for. He can do that. Come on. He will do that. If you'll just let him. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Come on, come on, stay focused. Don't let your mind wander. Let the Spirit pray. Come on, let the Spirit pray for your brother, your sister. Come on, let the Spirit pray. Stay focused. Stay focused. Let the Spirit pray. Stay in tune with what's going on in your spirit. You'll hear. 
God will speak. Come on. Come on. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on. Come on. The house is not the church building. The house is the body of Christ. We are supposed to be a place of prayer. An atmosphere of prayer. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. My house shall be called a house of prayer. You and I are a part of the house. You and I are a part of the body. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I give you praise, Father. I glorify you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God.